Well, a lot has happened since I gave you guys an update on Lizzie last week. Last Sunday, the doctors were concerned about Lizzie having pneumonia. And I'm very glad to report that her lungs were and have continued to be clear. Uh, You have no idea how huge of a praise item that is. Last Sunday uh, was a day that brought big changes in Lizzie's condition. As the day went on, she began to be in respiratory distress, I believe, because of fear. The trouble with her secretions increased and her respirations per minute increased. Where there should have been 14 to 16 respirations per minute, there were 60 or more. She was using all that she had to keep on breathing. And in the end, they had to sedate her and intubate her. The next morning, the doctors came in and talked to us about giving her a trach. We told them that we had been trach parents before, and we could do it again if we had to. But could we just give her some time to rest and ride the van a bit and talk to neurology about whether or not her seizure meds had caused the, the increased secretions And see if we could get that under control. We wanted to give her time to regain her strength. To see if she could breathe on her own. Keep her blood oxygen levels up. And keep her airway clear. The doctor said that was a fine idea. And they were all for it. The plan was for her to rest. Give her plenty of feeds through her temporary feeding tube. Talk to neurology. Plan for her to have surgery to get a more permanent feeding tube. And So that's what we've done this week. Neurology took her off the seizure meds that... We believe were the culprit. Uh, They agreed with us on that. They increased a med she was already on to try to control her seizures and keep them under control. After a couple of days, they began to lower her sedative so that she could start to wake up and breathe a little bit more on her own. Yesterday was the big push to drop her meds basically all the way out and let her wake up from her sedation so they can take the breathing tube out to see how she does. Um... It became difficult overnight as they warned us that she had been on these sedatives so long that when they took them off, it was possible she would go through withdrawal symptoms. And sure enough, last night was rough as she had to deal with all the symptoms of withdrawal. The goal is that today, sometime this afternoon early, they will take the tube out and they will see how she does. If she can breathe normally and keep her blood oxygen levels up, then she'll be golden and everything will be fine. If not, they will re-intubate her and they'll schedule a tracheotomy with her surgery to put in the feeding tube on Tuesday. Words cannot adequately express how much we appreciate you and your prayers and your support during this time. Please continue to pray For Lizzie, as she has a ways to go before she can come home, pray today that she would not need a a trach and she could breathe well on her own. Pray for us that we would know what Lizzie needs and we would have the strength to do what needs to be done. And as I thought this week about all that is going on with Lizzie these last few weeks and looked at the passage that I had planned to preach on the series, The Unseen World, it just didn't feel right. For today, to me, to go ahead with that passage, it seemed like I was pretending that everything was normal and everything was okay. And the reality is things are are far from normal and they're really not even that okay a lot of the time. At the same time, I've been reading through the Gospel of Mark on my own just to 
spend some time with Jesus in this. And, and there was one particular passage that I kept going back to for comfort, for assurance, and for strength. The more I, I looked at the passage, the more the Lord showed me things about the storms of life. And I also realized, you know, we're not the only people to go through the storms of life. And those that haven't gone through them yet will. None of us get to go through this life without facing storms of some sort. And since the storms are unavoidable, we have to know how to navigate these times so that we don't sink. What I want to do today is spend some time sharing with you some things that God has shared with me. That together... We can navigate the storms of life that will come into all of our lives, that we can link arms and we can be there for one another and we can come through on the other side. So open your Bible this morning to Mark chapter four, verse thirty five. That should be on page seven hundred and sixty seven in your pew Bibles. And when you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand honor the reading of God's word. Mark 4:35 On the same day when evening had come Jesus said to his disciples Let us cross over to the other side Now when they had left the multitude they took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And they said to one another, who is this? Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? The title of the message is passing through the storms of life. Let's pray. Holy Father, we love you today. You are great and you are awesome and you are worthy. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our trust. You are worthy of our devotion. Father, we live in a world where things are often hard. We live in a world where things are beyond our comprehension. We live in a world where sometimes things are just difficult. God, there's no way around that. There's no secret key to avoiding these things. There's holding tight to Jesus. There's trusting in your word. And there's going through to the other side. Father, I know that we are not the only ones that go through storms. We are not the only ones in here that may even be going through a storm. But I know that you are good. And I know that you are sufficient. And I know that your word and your spirit will guide us 
and teach us what we should learn so the storms do not destroy us, for that is never your will. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit and give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech, that I could speak the message you've laid upon my heart, that it would encourage, that it would comfort, that it would equip, so that when the storms do come into our lives, we are prepared. We are not overcome. And we make it through to the other side with a deeper grasp of your goodness, deeper appreciation for your greatness, and a deeper trust that you love us and you're always there. I do ask that you would guide Lizzie and you would let the withdrawals subside. That when they take the tube out, she could breathe strong. And she could breathe on her own. She could come home without a trach. I love you, Jesus. I ask all of this in your powerful and precious name. Amen. I have found this passage this week. It's two weeks. To be powerful and encouraging and helpful. We have gone through this time. And I hope it will be the same for you as we get into it this morning. I want to point out before we get started that this message isn't four keys to making the storms to cease. For there's not anywhere in the Bible that I know of. That gives us four keys to make the storms of life to stop. This isn't four keys to avoiding the storms of life. Because I don't know of any way to avoid the storms of life. What this is, is just stuff that we have learned. And stuff that I see in scripture. To help us to pass through the storms. To, as Jesus said, to to go over to the other side. The storms of life will come, but they aren't meant to be where we live our lives. When we go in, we are meant to come out on the other side. And that's what I want us to understand and learn today. If if you have a bulletin on the inside, you've noticed it's a full page on both sides. I noticed Melissa was kind of startled by that uh, when she first saw it. And initially it was meant to be on two sides, but it wasn't working this morning and I didn't have the patience to fiddle with it. And so I just printed it off like that. Um, and, and what I want to do is I want to show you seven truths about the storms. I want to give you one central truth about all of it and then three ways to live out that central truth. I, I hope it's not as long as it sounds, but it very well could be. Um, so seven truths about the storms that we face in life. Number one. Storms can come as you do God's will. Storms can come as you do God's will. How many of you have heard the saying, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will? Raise your hand. We've all heard it. It's a very popular idea. So the question I want to ask with you is, is that a true statement? Is that true? Is the safest place to be in the center of God's will? 
The answer is, it depends on what you mean by safe. If by safe you mean free of trouble, free of trial, free of hardship and the storms, then no. The safest place to be is not the center of God's will. Scripture and life are filled with examples of people who did what God wanted them to do and the way God wanted it done and the timing that God wanted it done and still went through terrible storms of life. That's what we see with the disciples. Jesus said, let's cross over to the other side. This was all Jesus's idea. Everything that happens from verse 36 on is because of what Jesus said to do. Jesus had the idea, let's get in a boat and let's cross over to the other side. And the disciples, to the best of their abilities, did exactly what Jesus said to do. They did it the way Jesus said for it to be done, and they did it when Jesus said for it to be done. And so they still found themselves in the middle of this storm. But storms absolutely can come in the middle of God's will. You can be doing everything God wants you to do in exactly the way God wants it done, in the timing in which God wants it to be accomplished, and still find yourself in a storm. So, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. If by safe you mean problem-free, trouble-free, the answer is no, that statement is not true. Often, in the center of God's will is where the deepest hardships come because the enemy seeks to oppose us all the more. If by safe, though, you mean the best choice, it's the best way to be, then absolutely. The center of God's will is the safest place to be. Better to be with Jesus on a boat in a windstorm than on the shore outside of his will. When it comes to the storms of life, it's difficult in ascribing why the cause is. Because scripture and life teach us that sometimes the storms come while we're in God's will. And sometimes the storms come while we're out of God's will. Scripture and life teach us that sometimes the storm comes because we're in God's will. And sometimes the storms come because we're out of God's will. The best thing to do when it comes to the storms of life in your life or in someone else's life as you're trying to comfort them is avoid the extremes of always and never. There is no way to say it is always because of this that the storms come. It is never because of that that the storms come. All we can do is say that sometimes the storms come as we're in the very center of God's will doing what he wants us to do. The storms can come suddenly. In verse 37, it says a great windstorm arose. The idea of a rose is that suddenly it was there. That one minute it was peaceful. I mean, think about it. They would not have climbed in the boat in the middle of a storm to cross over. In one minute it was peaceful and things were fine and it looked like they were going to make it across with no problems as they had done so many other times in their life. And then suddenly, bam, the storm just swept in on them. And they were caught in the suddenness 
of the storm. Storms of life. They just suddenly come. Seemingly out of nowhere at times. Everything being okay today doesn't mean everything is going to be okay tomorrow. Gosh, everything being okay right now doesn't indicate that everything will be okay later tonight. A simple doctor's visit, a routine checkup can bring bad results. A normal day can bring a tragedy into your life. A secure job can find itself downsized in a moment's notice. There is no adequate way to say, I can tell by the way the wind is blowing that there's a storm coming into my life. One day things can be fine, and then suddenly everything around you is all out of your control. The storms can come suddenly. Storms can overwhelm us. In verse 37, it says that when the windstorm arose, the waves beat to the boat. Now, I'm not a sailor, never have been. But my image of the waves beating in the boat is that it was just a constant banging into it. It was unceasing. It wasn't stopping. And no matter what they tried, it wasn't getting any better. They were just constantly, the beating came. And it just kept going. And they tried to ride it out, thinking surely it would pass. But it never did. And it said it was, the boat was filling. Luke's account of this says that they were, they were in jeopardy. They were overwhelmed. They felt as though they were going to die at this point in their life. An interesting thing is these guys, the majority of them were sailors. They were fishermen. They sailed here often. They knew how to ride out the waves. They knew how to ride out the storms. And yet here they were in a boat that was filling. Waves were beating against it. They were in jeopardy. They were, according to Jesus in verse 40, they were fearful. They were terrified by it. They were overwhelmed and afraid for their very lives. The storms of life can very much overwhelm us. They can very much beat on us like the waves on the boat. And in just one thing, after another, piling up. And you think, I just need a moment of peace. Just one moment to clear my head. I just need one piece of good news to give me hope. Just, I just need a moment where everything will be okay. And they just keep beating. And the waves just keep coming. And everything is so out of our control. And I was thinking this morning about this. Sometimes it's funny what overwhelms us. What is the, the tipping point? Today I was reviewing the slideshow before I went to get the girls to bring them up here. And I had got the last song wrong. Picked a different page. Just made up my own song to use. And, and I've done that before. Read it wrong, just done it wrong. And normally it's no big deal. But this morning, when I saw that I had the wrong song, I promise you, I thought about just laying down and crying right there on the spot. I was just like this. I can't. 
just one more thing. I, I mean, it was just the weight of, of everything just came crashing down over a song that took me two minutes to fix. But it was just everything was, was overwhelming in that moment. And I don't know that there's any way around being overwhelmed in the storms of life. I think the storms will come at varying intensities. Some are ones we can bear up under. Others will overwhelm us. And when I was younger, I was pretty convinced that if the storms overwhelmed you, it was something wrong with you. As I've gotten older and have gone through storms myself, what I have come to believe is that the storms overwhelming us does not indicate a, a weakness or a flaw in us. It just indicates that we are, we are people. We are normal. There's only so much that any of us can bear up under on our own. And when the waves keep beating and the news keeps coming and everything keeps piling up and peeling up and hitting you over, at some point the waves and the storms will overwhelm you. The storms can distract us. They went to Jesus in verse 38 and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And I can see them wondering that. He's asleep on a pillow. They're afraid for their very lives. But the wording, do you not care, is identical to what we find in the Gospel of Luke. That Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Martha's statement was because she was distracted. And the word distracted is interesting because it carries with it the idea of being drug along. Almost like just imagine being grabbed by the shirt and pulled in circles, just constantly pulling in circles. Martha was distracted by much serving. As Jesus was there in her house and as Jesus was there talking to her, all Martha could see was all the stuff that needed to be done. There was food to be cooked. There were plates to be served. There were feet to be washed. There was stuff to be done. And, and so it was like all of this stuff was dragging her around in a circle. And have you ever been so, so busy, I guess is the word, that you don't really finish anything? You, you start here and you, you do something there and you think, oh man, I've got this over here. And so you, you run over here and you do this. You go, oh man, I need to get over here and do this. And, and you spend all day just running in circles and you don't actually accomplish anything. At the end of the day, you look back and you've started 24 things and not finished anything. That's how Martha was. That's the picture of Martha being distracted. She was just running from thing to thing, really not accomplishing anything. That same idea is what was going on with the disciples. Keep in mind, they are fishermen. They know how to sail the storms. What do you think that they didn't try to, to do something with the sails? They didn't try to, to handle the oars. They didn't try to fix it themselves before they went to Jesus. They were distracted. They were being drugged around by the circumstances of their life. And, and Martha was so distracted, she missed and she forgot about Jesus. Just being with Jesus. The disciples were distracted. 
They were being drugged about by the circumstances of life and, and they just missed out on the fact that Jesus was with them. That Jesus was there. That He had seen them through things before and He had seen them through things again. And in the storms, it's easy to get distracted. Because there's, there's all kinds of stuff that needs to be taken care of. There's decisions to be made. There's, there's fixes to be fixed. There's, there's stuff that needs to be done. And, and you get distracted and it's just dragging you around. And you're going from something to something to something. And, and in all of your distraction, you forget about Jesus. And the problem with forgetting about Jesus is that when we take our eyes off of Jesus, all we can see is the storm. All Martha could see was the stuff that needed to be done. She couldn't see Jesus. All the disciples could see was the storm. They couldn't see Jesus. All that we can see when we're distracted is the storm and the stuff and the issues. And we don't see Jesus. And you know what happens when we don't see Jesus? It adds to our being overwhelmed. Because when we don't see Jesus, all we see is the size of the storm. All we see is all the stuff we can't control. All we see is what the doctors don't know. All we see is how much everything is out of our power. And it just adds and builds the pressure upon us. The storms can very easily distract us from Jesus. The storms can, can shake our faith. The disciples said, do you not care that we're perishing? Don't, don't you even care that we're all going to die? And Jesus, he says to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You know, the disciples had given their lives to Jesus. They had walked away from businesses and jobs. They had walked away from life to follow an itinerant preacher. And, and, their, and their thinking was, maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he's the Messiah. We, we don't know, but we're going to follow him and see. And now, they're going to die in obscurity. They're going to die in terror. They're going to die badly. And they begin to wonder, have we wasted our lives? Have we made a mistake in following Jesus? Was, was all of this just a terrible mistake on our part? I wondered if there was a lack of, if, if part of their having no faith, if it carried with it the idea of a loss of hope. Because again, I, I believe they had tried to make it better. But it got to the point where it wasn't getting better and so... They had just almost maybe resigned themselves to die. There was no hope for anything better than what was there. It was just going to get worse. In the storms, we ask some legit questions. When we're doing as best we know what God wants us to do, and suddenly, out of nowhere... Things fall apart. And we're overwhelmed. And we're distracted. There are questions we ask because we don't, we don't understand. 
We, we ask questions like, is God good? Because if he is, if, if God is really good, why is this happening? We ask questions like, does prayer matter? Because we've prayed. We've prayed for it to be fixed. We've prayed for it to get better and it's not. Maybe even we've prayed and the opposite has happened and it's gotten worse. Why bother praying? Does Jesus care? Does He care about what I'm going through? Because it doesn't seem that He does. He seems to have left me alone in this time. And so where where is God in all of this? Where is my help? Where is the one that Psalm 121 talks about? The one that my help doesn't come from the hills, but from God who will not allow my foot to be slipped. Where is that guy? Because I'm going to tell you sometimes it sure seems like he's sleeping. And he's taking a rest. And you're slipping. And these are, these are tough questions. These are life-shaping questions. Because how we answer them will shape our faith and our lives from years to come. And in the good times when the seas are calm, these are easy questions to answer. Of course, God is good. Look at how nice my life is. Of course, prayer matters. Look at the comfort I received from it. Look at these things that I've seen. Of, of course, Jesus cares. He died on the cross for your sins. God is everywhere and He's always active. That's where He is, friend. And all we can give the best answers to these questions when our seas are calm. But when the waves are beaten and we're overwhelmed... And we're having to look for answers ourselves. Those answers aren't always as easy to come. And they're going to come. They will come. And when they come, we have to deal with them. How we deal with them, how we answer them, will surely shape our lives and will shape our faith for years and years to come. Storms don't surprise Jesus. storm has come and Jesus is asleep on a pillow. He wasn't distressed. He wasn't surprised. He wasn't caught off guard. When Jesus called the disciples to come and let's cross over to the other side, he knew the storm that was awaiting them. He knew it was going to happen. He wasn't asleep because he was careless. And he wasn't asleep because he was surprised. He was asleep because he knew he was in control. He was asleep because he knew he was prepared. He knew he could deal with it. This is a truth that is not as... Maybe deep personally as the others. But this is certainly a truth you got to take to heart. That Jesus wasn't caught off guard when your storm suddenly blew into your life. He wasn't napping because he was unaware. He wasn't napping because he was unconcerned. 
He was always there. He was always aware. And when he called you to do whatever it is you were doing, he knew what was coming. He was prepared. Why was he prepared? Why was he not distressed? Because the storm submit to Jesus. Jesus arose in verse 39. He rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now, something to notice in verse 37, it says a great windstorm arose. In verse 39, it says there was a great calm. I think it's meant to contrast the two. It's meant to show that the peace that followed was every bit as great as the storm that distressed them. The peace that came from Jesus was every bit as great as the storm that had distressed them in their lives. And there are questions we still have about this. I mean, why let the storm come at all, right? Why not let it come on the horizon and let them see it and, and, and be a sniper with it and take it out a great ways off? Why let it come and distress them to this point? I got no answer for that one. But the un, unfailing truth to cling to here is that when Jesus said, peace, be still, there was a great calm. That when he determined the storm had blown enough, things had gone enough, he began to intervene. It made a tremendous difference. The storms are going to overwhelm us for sure at times. The storms are going to be beyond our control at times. But write it on your heart. And take it deep in your life. They are never, ever outside of Jesus' control. The early church had a saying that described their belief. And they said, Jesus is Lord. It was the first creed of the early church. And the creed, Jesus is Lord, isn't meant to be just a snazzy saying. It is a, a reality of life. Jesus is Lord over the storm. And when he says, peace, be still, there is peace and a great calm. Chapter five, verses one through 20, Jesus is Lord over the unclean spirits. They come and they bow before him. And when he casts them out, they go out. Verses 21 through 34, Jesus is Lord over sickness. When a woman who touched his clothes and faith is healed, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Verses 35 through 43, Jesus is Lord over life and death. And when he speaks to a young girl who's died of a sickness, little girl, I say to you, arise. The Bible says immediately the girl arose and walked. Jesus, Jesus is Lord. And there will never be a circumstance or a situation that comes into your life 
that Jesus is not Lord over. And these are our seven truths about the storms that will come. And I thought, how do we how do we make it through to the other side? Part of what I noticed is that the disciples stayed with Jesus, even though their faith may have faltered. They may have been distracted and overwhelmed. In the end, they did go to Jesus to be the one to help them. They knew that in Jesus was their only hope that they had to survive. And so the, the, the main truth I want us to understand today is that we pass through the storms as we stay with Jesus. When I was in the army, I went to a school with people from all branches in the army, not just infantry soldiers. In the last week of the school, we went out to the woods to do our field training. And the infantry guys were basically put in charge to make sure everybody made it through like they were supposed to. And on the last day, we had a 12-mile road march. And the march led us down into a valley that we had to go through and come up on the other side. And as we got close to the bottom of the valley, we noticed that there was a fog in the valley. But it was way past morning. And the, the drill sergeants or the instructors had been out there and they had tossed 20, 30 CS grenades. And so the valley was filled with tear gas. So we told some of the people that had never dealt with it outside of basic training. Here's what you do. You're going to go through it. You take a deep breath. And you run. Hold on to the back of my gear and you stay with me. And we will get you through to the other side. But you've got to stay with us. And those that kept a tight grip and those that stayed with us, they made it through to the other side. There was some burning and there was some snotty sensations and it was difficult, but they made it through. But there were others who panicked. I don't know if you've ever been hit by tear gas or not, but it's somewhat panic inducing. It burns everything. It burns your skin. It burns your eyes. It burns the inside of your nose. It burns your lungs. It burns your tongue. It's panic inducing if you've never experienced it. And there were some that stopped and they determined to put their their masks on in the middle of the gas. The problem is, you have this almost airtight hood and an airtight face, and you scoop up all of this gas that you pull onto your head and you bring in there with you. And so you've taken it from just being here to bring right there, and you talk about definite panic inducing. And they stopped, and they put their masks on, and then they just went ballistic. They threw gear and they ran some ran off into the woods. I mean, it, it was just. It was terrible what happened. Well, OK, I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of laughed because it wasn't me, but for them, it was terrible. But it happened because they didn't stay with the people who knew the way out. The storms are going to come, there's no doubt. But how long we stay in it and how bad they hurt us, it often depends on whether or not we stay with Jesus. 
See, he knows the way out and he knows the way through and he's going to always lead us that way. But we have to stay with him when we bail in panic and we bail in doubts. We don't find the way out ourselves. We don't conquer the storm on our own. Instead, we flail about in panic. We flail about in failure. We we run deeper into the storm rather than through the other side of the storm. We have to we have to stay with Jesus if we want to pass through the storms. And now the second part of the message is how do we stay with Jesus? Three ways. You first, you've got to keep trusting Jesus. We have to keep trusting Jesus. I mentioned we don't know why Jesus took them into the storm. We don't know why he waited as long as he did. And the reality is there are always going to be things that we don't understand. If God is as great as the Bible says he is, there are just going to be things he does that don't make sense to us. And and the Bible warns us about this. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. That is, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts and his ways above our ways. The Apostle Paul says that we, we see through a glass darkly. In this life, we're never really going to understand all that God sends and all that God allows and, and all that happens and all the ways of God. We just, we just won't. And if I have to understand all that God is and all that God does in order to stay with Jesus, then then I'm not going to be able to do it. I've got to be able to deal with the fact that I'm not always going to understand. Some things are not going to make sense. But mark this down. Do not allow what you don't understand to make you doubt what you do understand. But we may not understand everything, but there are things that we understand. There are things that we know to be true in, and we need to hold on to what we know to be true. Even when there's stuff around us that we don't understand. Here, here are some things we, we know to be true. God is good. But Psalms tells us that the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. God's goodness is seen in any number of ways, even in the midst of the storms. Monday, Kelly, I stayed the night, most of the nights with Lizzie in the hospital. And Kelly either would go to mom and dad's or stay at the Ronald McDonald house. And, and the night that they started letting up on the, the stuff that kept her unconscious, I, uh, I stayed. And that night I... I prayed when I went to bed. I always prayed every night when I went to bed. Help me to get up whenever I need to. And I woke up at 6.30, which was earlier than I'd ever woke up while I was in the room with her. And when I, I just woke up and I got up and I looked at her. And she was wide awake. It's the first time she'd been wide awake since they had sedated her. And when she saw me, she smiled. And I don't know. I'm going to tell you what I took from that, okay? My baby woke up. Thought this stuff she was in a dark room that she didn't know. And I woke up in time just for a minute to see her, to see somebody she knew for a little bit of comfort and a little bit of peace before she went back to bed. You don't think 
That was a sign of God's goodness to me. To get to be there to comfort her. If I'd stayed in bed, I would have missed it all. God allowed me to be a comfort for her in that time. God's goodness is seen all throughout, even when we don't understand what's going on. Prayer does matter. James tells us that the effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. That Elijah was a man with a like nature as ours. And yet he prayed and it did not rain. And he prayed again and it did rain. Your prayers. I'm telling you, you have no idea how the prayers of the saints are sustaining us in our time of the storm. Sarah drew a picture that I should have used here. But it pictures all the people that are praying for us like an umbrella over the top of us that are protecting us from anger and discouragement and doubts and depression and fears and, and all of the stuff that comes when you don't know what's going on. But it's the prayers of the saints that are making a difference in our lives, in, in Lizzie's life, and in, in helping her in this time. It often... When I'm not in the storm and telling people I'm praying for you, I feel like I'm doing so little. But when you're in the storm and there are people praying for you and you see the difference it makes, you know, you know that prayer does matter. Even if the exact things you're praying aren't coming to pass, that God is there and that God hears and that God cares. And Jesus does care. The author of Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest who was sympathizes with our weaknesses. And the idea of sympathizes is kind of that he feels our pain. Weakness there isn't just temptation. It, it's all of the weaknesses of, of humanity. It's the pain. It's the fear. It's the doubts. It's the temptations. It's all of it. Jesus experienced all of the things that we experience in life. So he understands. He, he feels our pain and and the last verse really isn't a part of what I'm going for here, but I just want you to see that because he does hear and because he does feel and he does care, it emboldens us to go to the throne and ask for help. Being assured that there is grace and there is mercy to help us in our time of need. Jesus, he does care. And God is active. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who, who comforts us in all our tribulation. He's active in comforting us. And what I want to see here is the next phrase, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The number of people that have called, texted, prayed, and shared, given money and come to see us. All of that is God working through people. All of that is other people who have gone through the storm, sharing the comfort that God had given to them. And every time it happens, it's God saying, I'm here. I care. Sometimes God comforts in supernatural ways. Just an awareness of His presence that brings you to your knees in love and worship. But more often than not, God comforts us and God actively works through His people who are doing His will. And as we comfort those who are going through the storms, it is God working through us 
to be active and helping in their lives. We have to we have to keep trusting Jesus no matter the storm and no matter the circumstance. But we also we have to keep following Jesus. It was all Jesus's idea to get into the boat to go across to the other side. The reality is sometimes following Jesus means going into the storm. But we have to follow him anyway, because he doesn't just lead us into the storm. I love the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I want you to notice the way he leads us, right? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's a leading. He he leads us to the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And those are all good. Listen, we we love the leading of our good shepherd when it's to the still waters and it's to the green pastures and it's in the paths of righteousness. But he also leads us through the valley, the shadow of death. And here's where faith comes in. If I can trust him and I can follow him to lead me to the green pastures. If I can trust him and I can follow him to lead me to the still waters that restore my soul. If I can trust him and I can follow him to lead me in the paths of righteousness. That I can trust him and I can follow him when he leads me through. Again, through the valley of the shadow of death. And we can trust him and we can follow him. For he is with us. Never underestimate the power and the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. And that he is with us. And that He leads us. It means that He goes before us. I love John 10. It talks about the Good Shepherd. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens the door. And the sheep hear His voice and He calls His own sheep. And notice, He, he leads them out. And when He brings out His own sheep, he, he goes before them. And the sheep follow Him. See, Jesus, he didn't tell the disciples to get on a boat and go to the other side and that he would meet them round about. The, the good shepherd, he, he doesn't tell us there's the valley you go through and I'll see you on the other side. He he says, follow me. And he walks the path before us and he leads us along the way. Listen, beloved, if you're in the storm right now, you are not left alone. You are not blazing the trail. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are following him. As he goes before you. He is there with you throughout the time. He knows the way through. We've just got to stay with him. If I can trust him in the good times, I've got to trust him in the bad times. If I can follow him in the good times, I've got to follow him in the bad times as well. Keep following Jesus. He knows the way through. And then finally, 
Keep seeking Jesus. When we're distracted, the storms are overwhelming us. We tend to forget to seek Jesus for anything other than help. And there is, we we seek Him for help. Make no mistake, I'm not saying otherwise. But what gets lost in our only seeking Jesus for help is our closeness with Him. Our relationship with Him. Even in the storm, we have to make our relationship with Jesus a priority. We seek Him for what He can do, to be sure. But we also seek Him for who He is. And we see this all throughout. I love the Psalms. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And, and he talks about the wicked coming against him to eat up his flesh and his enemies and his foes and, and all of this. Right. So he's got this this problem. But what does he do at the end? One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. To inquire at his temple. For in a time of trouble he shall hide me under his pavilion. The secret place of the tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Notice the thing. There's problems. But even in the problems he's seeking the Lord for the Lord. Not just for what the Lord can do for him. But for who God is. And that's something we have to do as well. We have to work on that. And I want to show you why this is so important. And, and the author there hits on it. But turn to Psalm 16. I don't know what page it's on. My Kindle shut off, so I can't find it. Psalm 16. And the psalmist says in verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. Again, there's... There's problems. Verse 4, the sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. There's things that are going on. But in the last few verses, verses 7 through 11, the psalmist gives us three reasons why we seek Jesus in the midst of the storm. First is with Jesus, there is peace that passes understanding. He says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. It doesn't matter the troubles. He sought the Lord and and with the Lord, with Jesus, there is a peace that passes understanding. With Jesus, there is singing in prison cells after being wrongfully imprisoned and beaten. With Jesus, there is a peace that the world cannot understand despite the storms and the troubles and the tribulations that are going on in our life. With Jesus, there is a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. In your presence, verse 11, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Have you ever wondered how the disciples can be beaten and then walk away rejoicing? Because that's not a normal thought, right? Never once took a beating that I walked away rejoicing about it, no matter what the beating was for. 
And yet when the disciples were beaten for Jesus, they rejoiced. Because they had a joy unspeakable that was full of glory because they had Jesus. And with Jesus, there is hope that is the anchor for our soul. My flesh will also rest in hope. You will not leave my soul in shield, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. With Jesus, there is a hope. That is the anchor for our soul. It's a hope that allows someone like Paul to say from prison that to, to die is gain. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. I mean, there was no beating Paul. If they let him go, he would live for Jesus. If they killed him, they sent him to be with Jesus. It was a win either way. He had an absolute hope. It was the anchor that held his soul in the times of storms and the trials that come into his life. And here's what we do. When we seek Jesus, for Jesus, we not only get Jesus, but we get the overflow of being with Jesus. And the overflow of being with Jesus is a peace that passes all understanding. It is a joy unspeakable that is full of glory. It is a hope that is anchor for our soul. And I'm telling you, you'll not make it through the storms without peace that the world can't comprehend and the world can't give you. You'll not make it through without a joy that comes from something beyond yourself. You'll not make it through without something to anchor your soul and sending you spiraling into depression and defeat. And all that we need in those times, it's found in seeking Jesus. For when we seek Jesus, we always get Jesus. And this is just the overflow of being with Jesus. We'll pass through the storms as we stay with Jesus. To stay with Jesus, it requires us to trust Him no matter what, no matter how bad it gets, how overwhelmed we feel. He was good before, He's good now. We follow Him no matter what. He's led us beside the still waters. And He'll lead us through the valley and through the storm. And we seek Him. We make our relationship with Him a continued priority. Even in the midst of the hardships and the trials of the storm. And this isn't three steps to getting through easily. It is just a way to get through. It is a way that we can come through and experience what the Bible says about being more than a conqueror through Christ. There is no storm that you're going to face or you are facing that Jesus will not lead you through. But to follow him through it, you have got to stay with him no matter what. Let's stand.